chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Let's go ahead and pray and get started here. Lord, we're here to learn more, to grow more, and just to really stop and say we want to celebrate who you are at this season. Help us, Lord, to really understand this, not only talk about it, but to apply it, put it into practice in all ways and all things. And we stop and say thank you in your name. Amen. Here we are. Here's a couple of days away from Christmas. Now, obviously, we do not believe that Jesus was actually born on December 25th. But it's a time to stop at the season and say we want to give recognition to this idea of God coming down in the form of a man. And what does that mean for us in dying on the cross for our sins? And the word that's really been kind of coming across as I read through this and I heard a message you know, a week or so ago that really just confirmed this is this idea of peace. Peace. If you see here in Luke chapter 2, you see this idea of peace throughout the Christmas story. Take a look in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. It says, Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's the idea there in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. That's what we want. People want peace. Everybody wants peace. The word peace really means exactly what it sounds. This idea of peace. Things are tranquil. Things are calm. And the Hebrew definition of the word peace, it even goes deeper, and it carries this idea of completeness and soundness, that you're not only just calm on the outside, but you are completely, utterly at peace with the situation that is going on and with what God is doing. Now, that's pretty difficult to do, and that's what we're going to get to and talk about, but that's what the Lord said at the Christmas story. The angels come to those shepherds and say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. This is something that's been prophesied all the way back in the Old Testament. You don't need to turn there. But in the great prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 about the coming Messiah, it's the same idea. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. That's that idea again. He is the Prince of Peace, the increase of his government and peace. That's what the Lord wants. The Lord wants for us to have peace. This is what everybody wants. If you talk to people, they want to be able to lay down at night and go to bed in peace. They don't want to walk in fear. They don't want to walk in worry. They don't want to walk in anxiety. Those things steal the joy of your life. It hurts your witness. It takes away everything. You want peace. I remember one time we were up in Dearborn. We were just doing some outreach amongst the Muslim community. And there was an elderly Muslim man. And we went up to him and we were just talking to him and asking him, is there anything we could pray for? And here's a man that did not speak much English, spoke Arabic. I don't speak Arabic. I don't even speak English that well. Communication was a bit of an issue. But the point came across, his prayer request was peace. That's what he wanted for his life, is peace. We want to be able to sit restfully. We want to be able to sit in peace. And God says, I have the answer for you. That's what I'm telling you, the shepherds. That's what I prophesied back in Isaiah 9. I am the prince of peace, and I can give you that peace. So now... How do we put this into practice? Let's put this into practice. So take a look here at Luke chapter 2. There's a man by the name of Simeon that's kind of intermixed in here with the Christmas story a little bit as Jesus as a young child. We don't talk a lot about Simeon. 
Simeon's only mentioned in the book of Luke, and he's kind of one of those one-and-done characters. He shows up for a little bit, fulfills God's purpose, and then something different happens in his life that we're not told about. I like these characters because you get a chance to see just a tiny glimpse to all these different people. But you see peace with Simeon. Let's talk about this. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation, waiting for the comfort, waiting for the rescue of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said... Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. There's our word, depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Peace. That's what we want. Simeon had peace. Now let's break this character down here and see why did Simeon have peace. Okay, let's take a look at him. Verse 25. Look at the description of him. Lives in Jerusalem. Name is Simeon. He is just and devout. Those are quite the words there. That'd be nice to be described as just and devout. That idea of being righteous and devout, devoted to the Lord. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him in 25. This is really interesting. I don't want to get into some deep theology. This is supposed to be our Christmas message here. But the Holy Spirit's not given yet until the beginning of the book of Acts. So this is kind of like one of those Old Testament prophets living in the New Testament here, that the Holy Spirit is upon him. And he has this revelation in 26 that he would not see death until he'd seen the Messiah. So we don't know how old he is. I think we can kind of figure from the context, he must have been a little bit older. I don't think this is a 20-year walking around saying, I won't see death until I see the Lord's Messiah. It sounds like he was a much older gentleman waiting for this. So he was waiting for this revelation that had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit to see the Messiah. So the Spirit tells him in 27, head to the temple. Head to the temple. Now, I tell you, if you've never studied out the temple, it's worth studying it out. To really get a glimpse into what was going on at this time. This temple would have been the center of activity. It was a beautiful building. You remember how beautiful it was as the disciples are walking by the temple with Jesus. They're so in awe. They stop and say, Jesus, look at that temple. They were impressed. He had all these courts full of activity, full of sacrifices, full of all this. The Spirit tells him in 27, go to the temple. And as he goes to the temple, he's looking for the Messiah. Now, I don't know what he's looking for. I assume he's looking for a man. Probably looking for somebody who looks very righteous, somebody who looks very authoritative, out there teaching, preaching, doing things. This grown Jewish man. Instead... He sees probably two teenagers with a kid. And he sees these two teenagers, because remember, Mary maybe is as young as 14, probably not too much older than 16, 17, Joseph about the same. He sees the parents, 27, the child Jesus, and the Lord says, that's the one. I just find that fascinating. I'm assuming it's this older man that sees these two young kids with this child. That's the Messiah. And then you got 28. He took him up in his arms. What do you think Mary and Joseph thought? There's this guy that comes over and grabs your baby, right? I mean, I remember what Dawn was like with our kids, and I'm just trying to imagine us walking into Walmart, and this older man comes up and grabs our baby. Pretty sure the cops would have been called at that moment. Simeon comes up, grabs the baby, blesses the baby, and says in 29, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. 
There's our word again. The shepherds had peace because unto you, you is born this day, salvation. Isaiah 9, he is the prince of peace. Simeon here, I can now die in peace. And look at everything that happens here with Simeon, this breakdown. Verse 29, you are letting your servant depart in peace. We fear death. And why? When you know who Jesus Christ is, and you understand the salvation of Jesus Christ, you can depart in peace. Because you understand this is not the end. It's when you don't have the peace of Jesus Christ and you don't have peace with God, you can't depart in peace because the only thing you're thinking about is the fear of what ifs. When you have peace, death is not scary to you. And when you have peace with God, death is not scary to you. That means there's nothing to be scared of. Think about that. If God has taken away the biggest fear you could face, the fear of death, what remotely could happen at home, at work, at school that is bigger than the fear of death? He has saved you from hell. Nothing compares to that. So therefore, you can have peace on this earth because of the peace that God has given you through Christ Jesus. This is peace. So your servant could depart in peace according to your word, according to God's word, according to the promise of it. The longer I walk with the Lord and the more I pastor, the more I realize just give people God's word. That's where the peace is going to come from. And Simeon had this peace. Why? Verse 30, he's seen salvation. Okay, just remember, over the next couple of days, there's going to be a lot of excitement. A lot of excitement. And there's also going to be a lot of sadness. There's going to be a lot of kids that their day is made complete by what they got. There's going to be a lot of kids disappointed because they didn't get what they got. One of the things that we've been really trying to ingrain into the boys here over these last couple of weeks of devotions is where Paul said, I've learned to be content in all things. It's not something that's just given to you guys. You've got to learn contentment. Something else we've been trying to teach them is where Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Keeping this in the back of our mind. Because if you have Christ 30 salvation, then yeah, don't get me wrong. Christmas is great. I love Christmas. I love the trees. I love the music. I love everything about it. But what matters most importantly is my salvation. So I have seen your salvation, which has been prepared 31. Do you realize God prepared salvation for you? He sent God down for him, man. He took care of sin on the cross. He defeated death. He rose from the dead. He prepared it all. I don't have to do anything. That's why Christ said, it is finished on the cross. And then what does it happen? Verse 32, it brings light. Oh, there's so much darkness. You're going to get together with family here over the next couple of days, and there's a lot of darkness. There's family members that are just dark. There's situations that are very dark. You represent Jesus Christ. You have the power and the ability through the Holy Spirit to go bring light into darkness. And as you bring that light into darkness, what are you doing in 32? You're revealing to Gentiles, non-Jews in Israel, to the Jews, you're revealing to the entire world the salvation and peace that comes through Christ Jesus. That's the purpose of why we're here. So now there's that peace that was prophesied back in Isaiah, that was told to the shepherds, and that Simeon saw himself. Now, I want us to know this peace. So let's learn how to get this. Can you go with me to Romans 5? People want to walk in peace. Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Two phrases we're going to talk about now. Peace with God and peace of God. 
Peace with God. First one you see here in Romans 5.1. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I think we forget this. Until you're saved, you don't have peace with God. God loves you. There's no doubt about that. But you don't have peace with him. But you see, God is holy and perfect and we're sinful. And so therefore, that sin keeps us from having peace with him. And so since we don't have our sins taken care of, we can't have peace with him. That's why through Jesus Christ, he takes care of our sins. So therefore, I can have peace with God. How does that happen? According to Romans 5, verse 1, I'm justified by faith. Justified, it's a fancy word. We kind of just say it means just as if I never sinned. It really means that idea to be made right, to be made righteous. And remember, I can't make myself righteous. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, He that knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Christmas really is the story of God saying there's a sin problem that they can't fix, so I must come down in the form of a man, fix it for them. And then they believe in that through faith, and they are justified, they are made right, and now they can have peace with God. This happens through faith. I wasn't there 2,000 years ago when he was born. I wasn't there 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross, and I didn't see the grave empty. But in faith, I believe this. And so since in faith I believe that I can be justified, I can be made right through what? Verse 1, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the best title of Jesus. It has everything in there. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, he is God. Jesus, he is man. Christ, he is Messiah. Everything in there. Lord Jesus Christ, he is God in the form of a man who is also the Messiah. And that's how you can have peace with God through Christ. And this is the most important thing. Because you can all go home today and you can celebrate Christmas. There's, trust me, there's so many non-believers celebrating Christmas. The world will stop for a little bit and pretend to celebrate Christmas. I don't even know what they're celebrating. Because until you know who Jesus Christ is, you don't have peace with God. It doesn't even make sense. So therefore, I want to make this point clear. This is the most important thing. I want you to know that you can have peace with God. Through Christ, your sins can be taken care of. That's all that matters. Now that we have that established, now we can have the peace of God. Go with me to Philippians, please. Philippians 4. See, so many people want the peace of God, but they don't want peace with God. You can't have the peace of God without peace with God. It doesn't work that way. Philippians 4, please. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You can have the peace of God since you have peace with God. What is the peace of God? With no matter what you're facing, you know and trust that God's in charge. You know and trust that he is moving and working, and to God be the glory for that. Now, you may be sitting here today saying, I, I don't have that. I don't have that peace of God. You can. What happens a lot of times is I hear things like this. You don't know what I'm going through. And you know, my response always is, well, you don't know what I'm going through. But you can still have the peace of God. And you try to convince yourself how awful, how horrible your situation is, and nobody has ever had it as bad as you. And I've seen people get like this. They almost want the attention of being the person with the most struggles. As I've said many times before, they want the sympathy of man and not the comfort of Christ. I want you guys to have the peace of God. And how does the peace of God come? Look at verse 6. 
be anxious for nothing. What is there to be worried about? If he has saved you from death, what is there to be worried about? He has saved you from the biggest fear we could have. So when something does pop up that brings worry, fear, anxiety, what am I supposed to do according to verse 6? I'm supposed to pray about it with thanksgiving. I give it over to the Lord in prayer. And I trust that the God that created the universe will also take care of me. The God that loved me so much to take care of my sins will also take care of whatever problem I'm facing. I trust that via prayer, he will do it. And I do that with thanksgiving, trusting and knowing and moving and working in ways that I don't even see. Because the Bible promises us that he works good in all things. Now remember, the definition of good is different. Sometimes God's definition of good is different than your definition of good. There's been many things in my life that I thought were good. And I said, Lord, this is good. Can you work this out? It didn't work out the way I thought. And his good was better than my good. There's still some things that he has worked for good that I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see the good yet. But in faith, I trust it. Now, how do we get this peace of God? By prayer, giving it to the Lord. And then what happens, according to verse 7? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Listen, if you are a type A personality where you have to have everything figured out, verse 7 is going to drive you batty. Take a look at 7. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. You can't understand it, so quit trying to. It will not make sense. There will be a situation that is so utterly wrong, and you'll stop in the middle of it and say, I have peace. How is that possible? Because the peace of God which surpasses understanding. But I just, I just was talking to someone at the end of the 8.30 and they said, I don't understand it. Like, we just taught on that. It surpasses all understanding. Someone came up to me after the 8.30 and said, hey, don't forget Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. See, how often do you have peace because when it makes sense to you? I'm telling you right now, things won't make sense to you and you can still have peace. Because that's the peace of God. I have seen it in my life, and I've seen it in other people's lives. I just heard a teaching recently by a pastor by the name of John Corson, and I'm a big fan of John Corson. I've been listening to him for years. And he taught on this idea of peace with God and peace of God. And he talked about how you can have the peace of God. And you just kind of hear that, and you say, okay, unless you know what John Corson has been through, that his wife died in a car accident with him, then his daughter died in a car accident. And then now he just denounced while giving this message that his son has stage 4 cancer. And he's up there smiling, saying, I have the peace of God. That guy's not faking it. How can someone in the midst of that, in his life, of the loss of a spouse, then the loss of a child, and then now another child that according to the world sure looks like not going to make it, and he can just sit up there and say, no, I have the peace of God. And he says, because I have peace with God, I can have the peace of God. That's what I want us to get. So what happens, though, when the mind starts to wander? Look at 7. Guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Your mind wants to wander. It wants to wander to what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this? I don't know. God's sovereign. I pray. I give it over to him, and I try to follow the Bible. But my mind can't stop thinking about it. Yeah, it can. Because for as weak and sinful as I am, I have this amazing, powerful ability. I can think about things that I want to think about. And that can be good or that can be bad. I can choose to think about good. Take a look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, 
Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You can choose to think about good, pure, holy, lovely things. You can. Now, I used to think that people couldn't. Then I realized some people like to worry. They want to focus on it. They want to analyze it from every angle. And they want to walk in worry, fear, and anxiety. And the only thing I can think of, it gives them, they feel, a little bit of power. By, I, by me constantly thinking about a situation that I can't change and I have no power over it, at least I have power over it by thinking about it. That's just crazy to me. Give it to the Lord in prayer and get out of the way. I know, but it keeps coming back to mind. I know, that's why verse 7, you have to guard your heart. You have to guard your mind. If you had something at home that was valuable, you would lock it and check to make sure it's locked. You would not lock it one time and then just assume it's always going to be locked. I have to guard my heart and mind on a daily, regular basis to not go into fear, worry, and anxiety. I have to choose that through prayer and thanksgiving to meditate on things that are good, verse 8. And then verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. You've got to do them. What does it look like? Let's go to Colossians real quick here. Colossians chapter 3. I wish I could tell you, you just pray for peace and it happens. There is a conscious choice to say, Lord, I'm guarding my heart and mind to not think about this, not worry about this, to not analyze this. And I've given it to you in prayer and I'm just going to do what the Bible says. And as I do what the Bible says, I trust this. See, take a look at Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. Let it rule there. What it set up a kingdom of peace in your life. Now, do you want that? I want that bad. Okay, for me to get that then, i got to have peace with God, Romans 5.1. I have to choose to give things over to the Lord in prayer with thanksgiving. I have to choose that my mind focus, meditate on things. I have to do it. Now, in Colossians 3, it tells me some of the things I need to not do if I want the peace of God. Look at verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. You need to put some things on if you want the peace of God. See that phrase for put on in verse 12? It literally means the idea of changing clothes. You put on Jesus Christ, and I put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. I'm telling you right now, if you do not walk in tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, you probably do not have the peace of God. You probably are an individual that people actually don't want to be around you. Because you are not a joy to be around. You do not have peace. And your relationships keep falling apart because you're not walking in tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. And you wonder why you don't have the peace of God. What about 13? Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you so also must do. If you're here today and you're walking in unforgiveness and bitterness, you probably do not have the peace of God. Because what's happened is you're so angry, upset, so bothered over what people have done. You're walking in bitterness. You're walking in unforgiveness. So therefore, you don't have the peace of God. Verse 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Do you love people? I mean, love them like Jesus loves them. Where you see them in all their ugliness. And you still say, Jesus died for you and I love you. If that's not there, you probably don't have the peace of God. See, now we get to 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. 
So what, what am I supposed to do then? Okay, so I, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to be patient through Christ and I'm going to represent the Lord. I'm going to put on love, but, but my mind still wanders. 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Two things you see in 16. You want the word and you want worship. When your mind begins to wander, get in the word. Find those verses, read those verses, memorize those verses, write those verses out, pray those verses. Do it because it works. And it's something that's going to take time. I remember one time I had a person contact me and they were going through a very difficult situation, but there were some passages that just fit the situation perfectly because God's word is perfect. So they called up. I said, hey, here's your answer. It's right here in these verses. And I said this. I said, the most loving thing I can do for you right now as your pastor is to get off the phone with you and to have you just go read these verses, pray these verses into your life, and trust me, God's peace will be there. So after a while, finally convinced them, listen, you, you went through this with the Lord. Just go read these passages, and I know God will use it. So they got off the phone. I'm not making this up. Literally, just a couple minutes later, they called back and said, I still don't have peace. It takes a little time here to let it dwell. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you. You're not making a little stick house. You're building a mansion of peace. And it means changing the way you think, changing the way you act, changing what you do. And then plus also 16, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Get a heart of worship, not a heart of music. This this is something that we see a lot. People get the idea of music as worship. No, 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 no. There are so many different musical styles, so many different personal opinions on musical styles. I'm not teaching about music. I'm teaching about worship. Where you just stop and say, God, whatever the style is, I can still worship you because I'm worshiping you because you are good and do good. There's certain musical styles that you like better that maybe touch you more emotionally. That's a different story for a different day. We're talking about just psalms, hymns, worship. Where you stop and say, Lord, I'm not going to focus on me, but I'm going to focus on you. Hebrews calls it bringing the sacrifice of praise. I quit thinking about everything that's wrong in my life. I just say, God, you're good. And that peace of God is there. 17, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You want the peace of God, then go out and do it for God's glory. But like I said, if you walk in unforgiveness, if you walk in anger, frustration, bitterness, all those things in 12 through 14, you're probably not going to have the peace of God. Let's finish this up. Can you go with me now to Psalm 85? What have we seen this morning? The angels came to the shepherds and said, peace on earth. Isaiah prophesied, prince of peace. Simeon could depart in peace because of his salvation and seeing the Messiah. You can have peace with God because you have been, through faith, justified with Jesus Christ, just as if you never sinned. You can then have the peace of God ruling in your heart, guarding your heart, because you know who Christ is. Look how closely these things come together. Psalm 85, pick it up here in verse 8. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. I can't make you hear it. I can't. I'm telling you right now in verse 8, listen to what the Lord is speaking. He's speaking peace to his people and to his saints. 
But look at the end of 8. But let them not turn back to folly. Don't go back to foolishness, folks. Why think about it that's only going to bring fear, worry, and anxiety? Think about peace. 9. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. Don't you want his salvation? See, when you have your focus on his salvation and it's near to you, you have peace. But instead, you're just focused on everything else in this world that's wrong. Look how close peace is. Verse 10. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. It's this idea of coming together. Mercy and truth. Mercy. Not getting what you deserve. God's mercy. This is a fascinating Hebrew word that is so deep. This loving kindness comes with truth. The truth is, as we mentioned, I think it was a couple weeks ago, about the idea of the gospel, the good news. To have good news, you've got to have bad news. Good news is, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. The bad news is, I'm going to hell. So now that I hear that, I understand the good news. The mercy and truth go together. The truth is, I'm going to hell, but through God's mercy, I don't have to. That's why mercy and truth have met. And then look at 10. Righteousness and peace have kissed. That's a fascinating verse. I looked up the word kissed there. It really means kissed. It really carries this idea that's the closest that two people can be. The idea of this kiss. Righteousness and peace are so close together. Because when I have righteousness through the Lord, remember righteousness just means to be made right, I have peace. If I do not have peace with God, I cannot have the peace of God. If you are here this morning and you're not saved, You don't have the peace with God. If you don't have peace with God, you cannot have peace of God in this world. You can't. The most loving thing I can tell you right now in truth is to say, understand what salvation is. God is holy and perfect. I am not. I am going to hell. Jesus, who was holy and perfect, came down and said, I will pay the price for your sin. And therefore, I take his sacrifice on my behalf. And then I can now have salvation, which brings me peace with God. If you're here today and you are safe, so you have peace with God, and you're wondering, why don't I have the peace of God? Are we doing what we read in Philippians? Are we doing what we read in Colossians? Through prayer, giving it over to the Lord with thanksgiving, meditating on what is good, guarding our hearts and minds. Are we letting go of unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, and all of that? Are we walking in love and tender mercies? Are we being in the Word? Are we being in worshiping? Do those things, and the peace of God will rule in your heart. I want you to walk out of this room today having peace. The enemy is going to hit you over the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, months, and years, because that's what he does. And he loves to steal our peace, because I've noticed when I lose my peace, I don't really think about the things of eternity too much. But when I have the peace of God, I can stop and say the only thing that matters is eternity. Worship team will come forward here. Let's pray this into our lives. Lord, we want peace with you, and we want the peace of you. You came this holiday season, to bring peace. That's what matters more than anything else. We pray for peace with God, and we pray for the peace of God for all people. Lord, help us to know you deeply and personally. And for those that we have a chance to minister to that do not have the peace of God, help us to teach them peace with you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, in your name, amen.